Today on the DML News Podcast, Joe Biden puts out a ridiculous video which is divisive and anti-Trump. There's a shocker. The World Economic Forum is underway and the warnings of Trump against Europe is out there big and loud. Also, DeSantis goes to CNN, Nikki Haley won't debate, and a whole lot more. And it's all unfiltered. Dennis Michael Lynch gives you his word and he will never let you down. He will always fight for America. The only one who really puts his money where his mouth is, is Dennis Michael Lynch. Hello, I'm Dennis Michael Lynch and I thank you for joining me today. Along my side is Denny. We're going to apologize for this being an audio only for those of you who are expecting to get the video, uh, but we will be back on track with that. I just didn't have enough time to set up the studio. I was absent yesterday, and I wanted to change a few things around. Uh, Thank you, boys, Ryan and Dennis, for filling in for my part while I was gone. That said, a lot has happened since the primary, or I should say the caucus in Iowa. Uh, We're going to add some additional analysis to that today. Uh, We're also going to give you some things that are happening uh, with the Nikki Haley-DeSantis little battle and why it is significant But let's start off, Dennis, with a video that you showed me this morning of Joe Biden that just made me shake my head. Um, Just give it a play. You know, it's kind of funny. All these Republican candidates in the primary trying to beat Donald Trump. I'm still the only person to ever beat Donald Trump. And I'm looking forward to it again for the good of this country. What's your take on that, young man? This man is so old. And I'm not trying to sound... uh, uh, inappropriate or, or disrespectful to anyone who may be in his age range. But at the same time, this is our leader, as usual. And um, I know today's audio only, but if you saw the visual of his Twitter um, video where he posted this, you could just tell. I mean, he looks like he's sleeping while he's talking. And yeah. I think what's hysterical about this post is that there's already 17,000 responses. And the general theme is, what do you talk about winning? You cheated. So, you know, um, one thing I think is very clear for this year with 2024 with the election, no matter what the messaging is that Biden's going to pull out, uh, unless you have an IQ below 50, I I don't know how you fall for this. You know, you just said something very interesting. Uh, And our crowd is, uh, I think, our demographic based on the analytics that I've looked at. Google offers you based on who visits your website sort of an analytics on what your uh, demographic is. And our demographic, by and large, is 45 and up. And when you look at that, even if you take that demographic and you zero down on that, the majority of people are my age and about to 65, 70. When you say, you know, he's so old, I'm glad you said, you know, we're not... um, making a derogatory comment toward older people because when we talk about Trump, we don't say he's so old. So what we're doing here, whether it's you or me, because we're both guilty of it, we're using it as a descriptor. It is the equivalent of me saying, who would you rather play shortstop for your softball team? Derek Jeter, perhaps with the greatest shortstop of all time, or that guy with only one leg. 
No, you're not criticizing the guy with one leg. I mean, it blew off in Iraq. But at the end of the day, who do you want playing shortstop in your championship game? You're going to pick Jeter because he's proven to be great and the other guy is lame. So when you say he's so old, it is a descriptor of what his performance is, what his uh, appearance is like, what the way he's keeping himself. And his, his level of being senile is so apparent that if he was your grandfather or your father or your uncle, you would say to the family, I think we've got to get Papa Joe, Uncle Joe, Brother Joe to see somebody or at least get him some physical therapy or something every week, mental therapy, because he's slipping. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it, it's more of just a, a concept here, too, where, I mean, this kind of maybe speaks to the fact of how broken the American economy is in history throughout different societies. When you go to a certain age and you're old, there's usually two things that happen. You either go into an advisory position for your community, uh, for your society that you're in, or, you know, you get laid back and you're not working. You're, you know, you're enjoying your peace years in America. That's different. I could tell you that, you know, Ryan and I go to Publix all the time for food. I am constantly seeing people in their 70s working the cash register, mm. filling up the aisles, or mm -hmm. sometimes even doing the whole carry out the packages to the car. And that's crazy because in my mind, when, when you hit a certain age threshold, you shouldn't have to be forced to, to work anymore, especially if you've done all you can to contribute to the country, whether it's serve in the military or if you worked for 40 years in a certain role or, or position. So, yeah, not at all meaning derogatory when I say Biden is so old. It's more just... How do we look at this man and say this is the leader of the free world and he's supposed to be the one who's you know, going to show strength uh, to the other world leaders? And yet he's putting out a video that is obviously 10 seconds long because that's probably how much he could actually focus on. And you know, it's an obvious statement to poke at the fact that uh, we all question how this man actually got 81 million votes. Uh, yeah, I mean, and just the way he says it. I can't wait to beat you again. It's almost like somebody turned his oxygen tank up a little bit here, man. He's going to fall down. Yes. Yeah. And and when you've got a person like that operating in general, uh, you know, you have concerns and you only give them limited things to tackle. Uh, but you certainly don't give them the keys to the Oval Office based on their performance. Now, it's funny, you brought up about how it is when you get to a certain age, 75, 80, 85, either, you know, lay back, go play golf or go play pinnacle or, or go do whatever it is you're doing, you know, female or male. Or if you still want to stay active, if you're still sharp, you know, do something in your community right behind you. People can't see it today because it's audio only, but they could see it every day we do the podcast. John Rowland, a great friend of our families. Uh, really, in many respects, from a delivering the news perspective, my mentor, he retired. And when he did, he became his the president of his HOA. And, you know, you and I, if we pay, I mean, you pay HOA fees. You know, it's usually the person to make sure that the landscaper is going well and that they're painting the uh, the side fences and all the other different little tiny things that you do need in order to keep your community clean. But at the same time, it's sort of like, uh, it's not a whole lot of pressure on the brain, right? Yes. John Rowland used to take that that spot he had, I mean, uber seriously. I mean, I got to tell you, there was at least three or four times that I said, hey, John, why don't we do this or why don't we do that? Oh, I can't. We've got a big meeting on, um, on we're painting the buildings. Oh, okay. 
So you're going to miss a golf trip because you have a 30 minute, why don't you just call in? But it was so important to him. Yes. That's why when people, I bring that up only for one reason, because when people say that, you know, uh, they, they want to replace Biden, they're going to replace Biden, who's going to replace him? Keep in mind, you may have the entire Democrat Party and the media saying he needs to be replaced, but ultimately it comes down to one guy, Joe Biden, and he doesn't think he needs to be replaced. He thinks he's doing a swell job. In the same way John Rowland believed they couldn't pick the right color without him for the building, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden thinks that this country can't operate without him. So he's believing his own headlines, nobody else's, and that's what makes him so dangerous because when you take his uh, level of senility and you take his level of radical Democrat and you take his level of he thinks he's doing a fantastic job, that's when he becomes even more dangerous than we would think. Now, you take the flip side and you go to Trump. Uh, again, maybe we'll show this in tomorrow's program. Very interesting going thing going around Twitter and X or whatever we're calling it today. And I know you do a lot of that. I don't do as much. But when I came home yesterday, your mother said to me, have you seen these videos? And I said, what are they? She's like, of Trump. I said, oh, what about it? She goes, he's walking like with a gate. So there's a new thing going on on Twitter. Actually, you should look it up. I can tell by your face that you haven't seen it yet. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow. But he, he is sort of walking with a limp. He's sort of walking with a little bit of a, of a drag to his leg. And people are noticing it. And I watched the video and I noticed it. Now, if you do it once, I'll give you an example. If you and I are in the car for six hours and we get out of that car after six hours at 54 years old, even though I take my CBD every single day and I can walk like with the best of them, when I get out of that car, I'm going to have a little bit of, you know, like stiffness just simply because of my age. You may too, and you're only 28. So if Trump just got out of a car that he was sitting in for an hour and he looks like he's got a little bit of a, hey, I got to get the bones going, I get it, especially at his age, right? Not a big deal. But there are multiple videos where it looks like that. That's going to be, I bring this up because that's going to be the new play of the left, that Trump may not be as healthy as he tries to come out. What's going on with that leg? You get ready. That's going to be the next story. It's already started. It's going to be the next story. But going back to Biden for a second, you know, videos like that, anybody else says them, they're going to take them seriously. This video, it's a joke because first of all, what are you going to do? You're going to campaign from your, from your basement and uh, you know, I believe that what's going to happen to Trump, and I want to hear from you on this before we go into Davos, but I believe what is going to happen is Trump's strategy with the GOP primaries is going to backfire on him when he does and if he does get the nomination because Trump has ignored going to those debates in part because he doesn't want to say something that's going to be used against him in all these criminal cases. I think that's probably the biggest reason why. Second reason why is because he does know that DeSantis is as sharp as a knife when it comes to knowing the facts and being able to come at him. And then third of all is the level of strategy of, I'm going to make these people irrelevant and keep them out. I don't even need to debate you. Forget it. Forget it. You're done. It worked for him hugely. Biden's going to do the same thing for Trump. 
So we're never going to be able to see that side by side comparison again, where Trump has his faculties and Biden does not, because Biden's going to say, I ain't giving you any legitimacy. That's what MSNBC is doing. They won't even play parts of Trump's speech because they're saying we're not going to give him legitimacy. He's lying all the time. Well, that's what Biden's going to do. There will not be debates, Dennis. No. I guarantee you there will be no debates. You'll have no comparison. In fact, I think we just saw our last one with DeSantis and Haley because, yeah. uh, you know, she will get into that. But, you know, she's not looking to do it anymore. Uh, the only one who's still committing to wanting to do a debate is DeSantis. But, uh, yeah, to your point, all those different factors, we will not see a debate. And that's a shame because, um, in, I, again, you could be a super Trump fan, and I do like Trump. Uh, but a, a part of the whole process here of elections, you know, what, what's supposed to be a foundation for democracy or even a constitutional republic is, hey, debate, say your points, say what works. And, you know, yeah, Trump's old, but he still has the sharpness that I think, you know, I mean, he would wipe the floor with Biden. But, you know, I think he would have a, a bit of a post challenge with DeSantis. I think he would do fine against Haley, truthfully. I mean, they're polar opposites when it comes to most of their issues at this point. Um, but you know, I, I guess that strategy is what he's going to go with. And yeah, when you're in Iowa and you're 30 points ahead of everyone, he just, to your point, maybe the legal issues, but also he just sees that he's just got such a warping lead that there's no reason for him to, to, to partake. You know, years ago, many, many, many years ago, I was partners with John in a consulting firm with John Scully, the former CEO of Apple and Pepsi. And the reason why he was hired at Apple by Steve Jobs was because he was a brilliant marketer and Apple was looking for brilliant marketing at the time. And I mean, if you look at everything, I mean, you got Steve Jobs over your corner, you know, over your shoulder there, it says think different. And the Apple, you know, the Apple, uh, it just, there's no question. You look at that Apple, you know what company we're talking about, right? So even though the Apple is a fruit that's universally eaten around the world, you see an Apple, you always think of the company. And that was large in part because of John Scully. He's brilliant with that. In fact, he's the one who actually told me to call myself DML versus Dennis Michael Lynch. He said it would stick. So these things, I've learned these things. One of the biggest phrases that John Scully ever taught me, and he would say it all the time, is that perception is reality, especially in the world we live in. So when Trump sets a precedent that I am so far above these people that I'm not even going to give them the time of day of making my presence on stage. There's no reason that perception is, is it becomes sort of buried in truth, which it's not same thing with Ron DeSantis. And I want to get to him in a second here. Um, I watched him last night on CNN and I was saying to your mother, and I, I, and and if this isn't popular with some of our listeners, I don't know what to tell you. You don't come on here because you want me to lie. Ron DeSantis, in fact, let's go into DeSantis. Let's go with DeSantis now, and we'll get to the World Economic Forum later. Ron DeSantis has finally found his groove. Finally found his groove. For the first couple of months when he became a candidate, um, he was awkward. He was stale. He was stiff. Uh, he had what was feeling like a fake smile. Uh, he wasn't sure who he was pitching to. Was he trying to get the MAGA crowd who may not be in love with Donald Trump anymore? Was he trying to get the elitists who have the big dollar amount? Was he just trying to get the normal person? He didn't have a lane. And part of the reason why he didn't have a lane, and I said this on our last podcast we were together, is that Trump punched down at him 
and he took the punches, curled up, and took a a page out of Michelle Obama, uh, who said, I'm going to take the high road. You can't take the high road when, when, when the top guy is Donald J. Trump. You can't do that. You've got to have personality. You've got to go in and, and, and have the fight. So he was sort of a lost puppy. And when people see that, and then all of a sudden you've got Trump saying he's a rhino, he's friends with Paul Ryan, he's, he made a perception as reality. The truth is, is that DeSantis is not a rhino. He is as conservative as you as you would want a conservative to be. When you look at the mistakes that Trump made as president, he didn't make those mistakes as governor of Florida. But the perception that Trump has put on him, and then he sort of carried the water for Trump and making it look like he was a, a you know, when you don't have a personality and you're faking your smile and you don't have your groove, it's easy to believe that somebody is programming you. Somebody is paying you to be out there. And that was a perception that was false, but it stuck. Now he's finally finding his groove. When I watch him on CNN, I said to your mother last night, she agreed with me. I said, the United States of America is missing an unbelievable opportunity to have a great leader who would absolutely, from a policy standpoint, turn the ship around take no BS from anybody. I said, we are going to miss this. And he's not going to be back in 2028. He may try. So will two, will Vivek, um, but and maybe even to Nikki, but he will not get it because the perception is reality. And he's always going to be cemented in this persona that Trump gave him. And in some ways, he supported by the way he couldn't get his body to move. He looked like the white guy who tries to go on the floor and dance to hip hop music and look stiff. That's a good way to put it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, uh, I mean, that town hall was impressive and you're right. It's, it's, it's a shame that it's so late in the game that he is finding his groove. Yeah. Um, should we play that? Yeah. So, so I, there's two things I want to find. Bill O'Reilly um, described DeSantis uh, and how he went against Trump uh, and how he's, he screwed it up in, in, in a really good way. I think it supports a little bit of what I'm saying. So we'll play it and then and let's and let's go to the next part about DeSantis. There was never any doubt in my mind that Trump would win the MAGA people in Iowa. I mean, it's his place. And you add to that the fact that Ron DeSantis, who had a shot, is probably the worst campaigner since um, Herbert Hoover. I put him on a level with Herb. He's a terrible campaigner, DeSantis. He's awful. He's stiff. He doesn't look like he cares about the folks. Um, He can't get his message across without repeating himself 15 times. He's boring. And in this day and age, you can't be boring. And he is. So he's through. He can go to South Carolina. He can go to Guam. He can go anywhere he wants. He's not beating Trump. You know, Dennis, uh, I, I agree with O'Reilly to the sense that if things stay as they are now, he's not going to beat Trump. It's, it's impossible to beat Trump. The only person who could beat Trump right now is Trump himself, meaning if he doesn't keep his health if he says something that's going to get him in so much hot water in terms of these lawsuits, like if he inadvertently threatens somebody or it sounds like a threat and something happens to that person, whatever, there's multiple things that can happen. And I think at this point, uh, DeSantis knows this and he's playing that second place 
wondering, hey, is there an opportunity for me? If Trump falls, I'm automatically the guy that rises to the top. That's the question. Is it him who rises to the top or is it Nikki Haley who rises to the top? Uh, I really hope it's not her um, just because I don't think her base. We said it yesterday on the uh, on the podcast with Ryan and I, when you look around, I don't see actual supporters of hers it, it, it is so questionable of how she has gone from two percent polling to you know a double digit almost in the second place lead ahead of DeSantis I mean New Hampshire she is by far leagues ahead of DeSantis right now yes so um but there's reasons for that though. yes I know I, and 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 I think the the big uh hammer to her campaign would be her losing to South Carolina so that that's that's a given yes yeah so um just got to see how it plays out. But yeah, like DeSantis, um, you know, he had a lot of strong moments in that town hall last night that just proves like he's a good leader. I mean, even just as a, a personal anecdote, he had that question from the guy saying, what's one question you wish you got during the campaign trail? And he mentioned about how he helped Special Olympics when uh, COVID was mandating the vaccine passports. And uh, when I was in school, I used to work with Special Olympics all the time. We would do soccer and baseball uh, games on the weekends and you know kids with down syndrome kids with autism kids with all kinds of disabilities but they were so happy to be there and me and my buddies just love being there just hanging out with them and 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 playing games with them so the fact that you know uh the biden administration or anybody else you know i think it was even during possibly trump when he was in there but the fact that you know there would be uh a uh, vaccine passport put on these kids that, you know, they can't come and play and, 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 and participate it, it. And then DeSantis going in there and, and stopping that, like that just shows that, you know, he's even capable of doing the small things that maybe people don't recognize and how much it helps other people, especially a group like that, that maybe would have concerns getting a experimental vaccine. Um, so it just shows like he, if he could apply that on a national stage, he'd probably be a great president. Well, no, I know he would be a great president. The, the issue is, is that we now, I mean, you heard what O'Reilly said. I'll take it a step further. We live in a era where if you're not good on video, you're not going anywhere. Everything is a reel. Everything is a clip. Everything is sensationalized. If you're not keeping people's attention uh, for the first 30 seconds, you're finished. So when you've got somebody like Ron DeSantis, and I'll tell you what, he makes... And I blame this on his team, not on him. Uh, he makes mistakes that are avoidable. I'll give you an example of one that is very small, but resonates very large. If I'll even ask Ryan. Are you on, Ryan? Okay. Let's see if you guys come in with this. If we go out as a family and you have to wear a sports jacket, what do I always, always have? Your lapel. And what's my lapel? The uh, American flag, Secret Service. Yeah. So I, I was given a uh, pin, as you guys know, from a Secret Service member. And you, you'll see it. If you watch Fox News, a lot of times guys on Fox News have it. A Secret Service member, um, it, it, is an, it is a thing of great honor. And it, if, if they think you are good for America, they will give you a pin. It is a pin that is only given out from, uh, social, uh, from uh, Secret Service people. I had given a speech one time in Arizona. Guy came up, gave it to me. And you ask your mother once or twice, I thought I lost that pin. And I went 
that crazy. The fact that I wear that uh, means that I'm wearing it in pride and I'm wearing it in the sense that I know others are going to be happy to see me wear it. I can't tell you how many times I see Ron DeSantis on television or in public without his uh, flag lapel. He had it when he was up against Nikki Haley, and it stands out. But like last night on CNN, he doesn't have it. Now, do I blame him? In part, I do, because it has not become a regular part of his repertoire. It's a part of me. So when we go out and I got a jacket, the first thing I do is I look for my pin because it's as much as brushing my teeth before I go out. In his case, you know, yesterday or the day before, whatever day it is, he, he is in South Carolina. It was Tuesday morning. He's in South Carolina. Then he's in New Hampshire for lunch. Then he's in New Hampshire for the, for the CNN thing. He's running around like a maniac. The last thing he could do is remember small things like putting a, a pin on. Somebody, his wife, somebody's got to be there and say, hey, Ron, put this on. It, it's so presidential. Trump always has his lapel on, always has his American flag on. And so small things like that is where Ron DeSantis has made a mistake in marketing himself. And we're going to pay a price for that because if Trump, for whatever reason, can't make it, to your point, Dennis, Nikki Haley, you know, who's supporting her? I'll tell you who's supporting her. All the people who were never Trumpers, and there are a significant amount of them, and that's why I get concerned we can't win a general election. Number two is she's getting all the people who believe that abortion is a a good thing and that you should have it legalized because obviously she's going that way. She's getting a lot of lefties, moderates, with her stances on a lot of lefty things, sort of like transgenders. So there is a big swath of people. The more they learn about her, the more that they want to get behind her. And Trump is like a mini Trump without the crazy tweets, the crazy hair, and the uncontrollable chaos that sometimes ensues in his life. And so there is a major concern that Nikki Haley will rise to the level if Trump can't carry the, carry it through all the way. Now, Nikki Haley is trying to rip a page from the Trump playbook by not debating DeSantis anymore, trying to make him irrelevant. You got that video? Yes. Play it. You can't have an election and not appear on a debate stage in front of the people who are going to be voting for you. I mean, it's that's an arrogant approach to think you don't have to do that. I don't think you get a pass when it comes to an Iowa debate or a New Hampshire debate or a South Carolina debate, because these are the states that are voting. It's very different. They want to be able to see their candidates side by side. You can't go and hide. I would expect Iowans would be highly offended if he didn't. And so, you know, he needs to show up for the debate stage the same way I need to show up for a debate stage in South Carolina and New Hampshire and, and Iowa as well. We'll see if he's scared to get on a debate stage, but I would expect him to get up there. It's his decision whether he wants to get on the debate stage or not. You have to earn the support of the American people. It's hard to earn their support if you're absent. Well, you can't win if you're absent. The more these debates play out, the more that he's not there, they're going to have a problem with that. Yeah, so so that that is a video where she said, I think this was a few weeks or a few months prior, that it's arrogant for anyone to skip a New Hampshire debate and nobody gets a pass. And yet here she is skipping it. Meaning and, she won't debate DeSantis. Yeah. She's taking the, the, the page from Trump's playbook, yeah. trying to make DeSantis irrelevant. Right, even though she had said in the past that she wouldn't take that playbook. But right. in the past, she also said she would never run against Trump. She's doing that. Uh, she claims that she doesn't look at Hillary as an idol. She did 
it, there's a, she is a walking contradiction at this point. And meanwhile, uh, I want to play a quick clip from last night, CNN with DeSantis. This is about immigration. All right. And I, and I want to play this because I truly believe in my heart of hearts that Ron DeSantis, had he the chance to be the president of the United States, would solve the immigration problem as it needs to be solved once and for all. Play that clip. Then you know this. Over the weekend, a woman and two children drowned near Eagle Pass, Texas, as they simply tried to cross the Rio Grande. After the drownings, federal authorities got a distress call about two more migrants in distress, but agents were physically barred by Texas authorities from entering the area. What obligation does the United States have to protect the lives of these migrants? Well, first of all, I think this is part of the problem with an open border because you're incentivizing some really perilous behavior. Um, There's people that are paying large amounts of money to coyotes and drug cartels to be brought into this country. There are people being abused sexually. There are people that are being trafficked. We're in the, the country. The U.S. is incentivizing this. It's madness. So stopping the, the, the migration and having a closed border is the humanitarian thing to do. Now, I am going to empower the states to be able to enforce immigration law. I don't think that Texas should have to sit there and deal with all the consequences of the federal government neglecting uh, their duties. And I think that's been a problem with the Biden administration saying we're not federal immigration laws just for the feds. You can't do it. But they're not doing it. So what? We're just supposed to let this happen. So we're going to work together with the states and the local sheriffs. So you're not going to have these conflicts like that exist right now between Biden and Texas or between Biden and local sheriffs and places down in Texas. Look, I want to be very clear on something. Uh, voted for Donald Trump twice. I'm going to vote for him a third time because uh, unless something does happen, he's going to get the nomination. But I am never, ever going to be one of these people that is only going to look at the positives and not the negatives. We did a whole show, not uh, what was it, a week ago, a week and a half ago, about all of uh, Trump's positive economic uh, initiatives that really changed the country around. And I will be on stage screaming louder than anybody else about that. At the same time is people seem to get caught in a trap. This is not the Donald Trump variety show. This is not a movie about Donald Trump, and we're trying to write the script. This is the United States of America. And the biggest problem we have right now in this country, as far as I'm concerned, and I've thought it's been the biggest problem in the country for now almost 20 years, is the illegal immigration and the mass immigration that we suffer from as a country. We cannot control it. We cannot vet it. It is impacting all of our pockets in a way that people are never, ever, ever cognizant of because it doesn't get described the right way. Ron DeSantis' answer last night was near perfect. The only thing I would have added to that was, hey, as far as I'm concerned, there's nobody to blame for the drowning of those people other than the people who drown. Their choice if I go up right now and, 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 I, and I stand in the shower and I take a, uh, you know, a, a blow dryer and I stick it in the water, I know that I'm risking a total electrocution. That's what you're doing when you try to cross the Rio Grande with kids coming into a country illegally. Let's, let's blame them and let's highlight what happens to those people. Maybe the other ones won't come. That's the only difference between his answer and my answer. And so when we sit here and we zero down on 
who is going to lead this country back to greatness. My concern is, how do you do that in four years? How do you do that if your main objective is to go after people? And yet, you know, I'm going to support it. I'm going to support it because I recognize that one of the big issues we have in this country, along with that immigration, is that we have people in Washington, D.C. that are completely out of control, do not believe in the Constitution anymore, do not believe in the rule of law, believe that there are two sets of laws. The elites and the D.C. people get one. You and I get another one. So my hope, my dream, if you will, is that Trump will, for four years, be able to clean up some of the mess on aisle 24 and that somebody else, maybe DeSantis, will come in in 2028 and be able to actually do what we need a president to do to lay the foundation of greatness again. Because four years is not going to do it for Trump. It's just not going to do it for him. But that's what the people want. And if that's what the people want, you got to give them what they want. I'm a little more optimistic. I think there are two things that we really need to see Trump do other than, you know, get at everyone that is so corrupt in that government that has been going after him. I think, obviously, the immigration needs to be completely back in, in uh, the illegal immigration needs to be eliminated. And he's even said he wants to do the largest deportation um, measure since Eisenhower. He said that in 2016, too. Well, but we he, never got it. Did he say that? Yeah. We were going to have deportation squads. We never got it. We were going to have mandatory E-Verify. We never got it. We were going to have Mexico pay for the wall. We never got it. We were going to kill DACA on day one. Instead, we got I love DACA kids and the surges began. So when it comes to immigration, Trump will try to paint a storyline that says, you know, I had the border the most secure it ever was. That is simply not true. For a short period of time, he did. And then when he started to relax and flip the script with all the DACA stuff, that's when the rush came in. He actually deported less people in, uh, than, than Obama did. And it just wound up becoming a, wow, what happened to this topic? Now, eventually, when he saw that the wheels were coming off, he started to get tough. But he was trying to put ketchup back in the bottle after the ketchup had already spilt. So, look... Everybody out here in the world and in Trump land can pretend as if the things that I'm talking about are completely untrue. I say if you do that, if you ignore the truth, you're just giving Trump another pass to do exactly what he did the last time. I will not do that. I will say you didn't get this done. You promised to do that. and You didn't do it. And you went in another direction with DACA. You can't do that again. If you don't hold people accountable for their mistakes, no matter who that person is, those mistakes are going to be repeated time and time again. That's my take on that. The, 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 the truth is in the numbers, but the, uh, the, the Trump campaign and the Trump uh, fantasy clan will tell you that he had the border secure, which is completely untrue. Oh, yeah. I mean... I definitely think it was at least better than what it is now, where, you know, there's hundreds of thousands a month coming through. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the two big hopes here is that he does up his tune on really actually doing something because, I mean, the, the amount that have come in in, the, in this past six months alone is frightening. Um, and then, too, you know, obviously getting inflation down because I was actually speaking to Anita last night. I mean, immigration is insanely important. 
but you know, to the uh, I don't want to use the word ignorant, but to the not observant American or voter, if the migrants aren't dropped off in your town or your city, you know, you see it more on the screen. Although it's going to become an issue that eventually hits you, but the more immediate thing that's hitting every person every day is the escalating prices of everything. I mean, I was just with Ashley last night talking to her, and we're trying to strategize how to uh, buy certain furniture items, you know, to uh, prioritize budget. And anyone I talk to, it always comes down to the same thing. I'm in a uh, um, bachelor party right now, and it's a discussion of, like, you know, okay, like, you know, what's going to be the best form of price? Uh, uh, my girlfriend's in a bachelor party, and same thing, the, the counter of the price. And those are nice recreational things but then grocery store gas station um paying for certain things that require uh, an educational course for a job that you're going into um it, it's expenses that that add up student loans are back on um you know on, on process now so uh, i think a big thing that always happens with these elections is that people do end up voting with their pocket and i think a big thing you know you do have your trump uh fantasy voters that don't think he could do anything wrong but I think a lot of people are just looking at the fact, you know, in 2016, I had more money in my pocket. When I went to the grocery store, I wasn't cringing when I'm at the checkout line. I mean, there's a Reddit form here. I did a, a story on it. It's got over 10,000 comments. That's when you know it's huge, talking about what's a grocery item that you no longer buy because of, of how prices have gone. It, it is insane. Um, so if, if that is going to get under control under Trump, I'm all for it, but I need him to really hit hammer on that. But he needs to hit hammer on securing the border, following through on a giant, giant deportation scheme and, you know, actually becoming um, the America first leader that everyone wants him to be. Okay, so a little lesson here in economics and inflation and um, something that nobody ever really brings up. So. I'm not going to put you on the spot and asking you if you know how it happens. So I'm just going to describe it. Well, all right. So inflation, do you know what actually causes inflation? I know part of it is Biden killing the Keystone pipeline, which, you know, basically kills our uh, oil independence there, which then in turn gets the prices on those barge shipments that come in up. And then that has to be compensated in a chain reaction, which is why a lot of these items that are getting exported into the country are now at a volume that if not you were to can. if you were to simplify that explanation into a term, you have that, or you want me to give it to you? We need a term. Okay. So what you're talking about is supply and demand. Oh, oh. Okay. So supply and demand is going to wind up what is going to inflate prices, right? If you don't have uh, a lot of milk on the shelf. And we're going to all go in to get milk. The price goes up, right? If the three of us, me, you, and Ryan, all go into the store and there's 300 bottles of milk, well, we can pay the lowest price we want to because the store has a lot of it and they need to get rid of it. But when there's only one bottle or two bottles, we're going to fight. And we're going to fight with our money. Okay. That's what drives inflation. Supply and demand. By and large, supply and demand. When you look at covid we had very little supply, right? So now we're finally starting to get back where there's more supply out there, but the supply and demand still remains high. And why is that? 
even though you now have more milk being manufactured, even though you have more goods being manufactured, you now have so many more people demanding that they get the same thing. So although we've started to increase the production of things, we've got more people than we did prior to when the inflation started, and so it hasn't gone away. When you put 12 million new people into a country and they need the same things you do, which is milk and uh, grocery items or whatever, only difference is you and Ryan and Ashley aren't going in with an EBT card, but Mauricio is going in with an EBT card, so somebody else is paying for his milk and somebody else is paying for his stuff and you're paying for your own, that's why you're feeling the squeeze and they're not feeling the squeeze so much. So it's supply and demand. The only way to get down the inflation in this country is to change that supply and demand around. And the only way to get rid of that supply and demand around is to take all of these people and get them the hell out of our country. Hands down, no other explanation. You can't come up with any kind of other BS that is the thing, supply and demand. It's the same reason why houses go up. Oh, I can't buy a good house. I can't buy a house in Florida. It's crazy. Well, why is that? Because everybody wants to buy a house in Florida, and there's only certain amounts. Until people say, I don't want to be in Florida anymore, those house prices are going to stay where they are. You've seen this. The rest of the country had a real estate slide. They were like, oh, you know, prices are going down. Not in Florida. Why? Because everybody's coming here, supply and demand. So if Trump or whoever it is is really going to get the inflation down in this country, they have to get rid of the people who are not supposed to be here, who are not paying into the system. It's the same reason. You called your mother last night. You interrupted our show talking about the price of insurance, right? Health insurance. Sure, it's off the charts. Why? Because you're not only just paying for your health insurance, you're paying for Mauricio's from, from Mexico. He's not paying for any of that. But when he's going in for his cold or his splinter or his broken toe, he doesn't have insurance. It's going in on your pocket. You want your uh, property taxes to lower down? Do you know what you're paying when you're paying your property taxes? The majority of your property taxes are going towards school to pay for the kids who are getting free educations. Well, guess what? When you don't have 1,000 kids in school, you've got 1,700 kids in school, and that 700 number comes by and large from illegal aliens who send their kids to school who don't pay property taxes. Somebody's got to pay for that. So who does it? Dennis, who owns a condominium. Let's double his taxes. Let's raise his taxes. we got to raise taxes on everybody in order to pay for these things. So if you do not understand, if you are listening to this and you don't understand why you're paying so much more money for things, I just gave it to you square on the head. So the only guy, the only gal who's going to bring you back to the promised land of being able to have money in your pocket is the person who says, I am going to deport every single last one of you. Trump promised that he didn't deliver it. Is he going to deliver it this time? I have no freaking idea. Would DeSantis deliver it? I believe he would. But Unless something significant happens to Trump, either legally, health-wise, who knows what, we're never going to find that out, whether DeSantis could have been it. That was my point. Last night, I watched DeSantis on CNN, and I said to your mother, he's found his sea legs, it's too late that he's done it, and damn it, this country, we missed, we missed a, we, we missed a win. And the other thing we should really start talking about, maybe we should start having some experts about elections. I don't know really if there is such a thing on this program 
to speak about how it is that Trump is actually going to do something he hasn't done the last three go-rounds. He lost the midterms when he was president. He lost 2020, and you could put an asterisk if you want, and he lost the midterms just not more than two years ago. How are we going to flip that script when you've got 30% of of the GOP not wanting Trump? He's got his own party against him. So when you look at the 70%, they're so passionate about him. They're so passionate about him. They'll die for him. But it's just not enough. And I don't understand how we're going to switch, switch that around. And when, and when somebody could sell that to me, I'll feel a lot more comfortable. Because right now, I'm, I fear that the guy we started off this show with is going to wind up being reelected because we're not putting the right guy up against him. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, just as my closing statement here, um, I guess my hope here would be that Trump, on his second go-around, is able to do a lot more. Maybe, hopefully, his VP pick is someone very strong-suited because I never found Pence to be uh, that go-getter kind of guy. Wait, before you go into that, let's end it off with this. And I and I want to I want to confirm my commentary here because of course you've got the people who listen to us sometimes i read their comments and i'm like what did they listen to and they only hear me questioning things about trump when you look at the forces that do not want this man around they don't feel the same way about DeSantis. they don't feel the same way about nikki haley i watched cnn last night And each one of the commentators on CNN, whether it was a Democrat or Republican, whatever, they all said the same thing. Even Anna DeVarro, who hates the GOP, hates Trump, hates DeSantis, thinks he's the evil empire. She was even saying the guy, you know, he's definitely turned around his act. You know, like they you couldn't ignore what DeSantis did last night. If you did, you're a complete idiot. If Trump has a good night on CNN. It doesn't matter. They'll never give him credit for anything. Never. The hatred for Trump is so thick. World Economic Forum, they're now out there warning. You got the statement from the guy at, at Davos? What was he, from BlackRock? The head of BlackRock? Yeah, he, uh, he's the vice chairman, Philip Hildebrand. Of what, BlackRock is one of the biggest firms, money firms out there in the world. They got stock, or they got... Uh, Stock holdings in a lot of big companies, Disney, I, I, Apple. They are yeah. controlling everything, BlackRock. They're building communities. They're having homes. What did, what did this guy just say about Trump and, and the threat that Trump presents? Uh, it, he, he poses a fundam- fundamental challenge to Europe for what Europe is seeking to accomplish, such as you know, green energy initiatives, um, you know, just saying that he is a, a clear threat to Europe because... His divergent views set him apart from the European mainstream, whatever that means. I think it's another way of saying he's just too American. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I, I mean, I do know why they they they're globalists and they want to control everything. But yes, yeah. Now, and Trump is not a globalist. Trump is an American first, and you got to love that about him. And because he is as passionately loved as he is. The left knows that he presents a danger of epic level and that Trump is the kind of person who will go after everybody. People like BlackRock realize the fact that if Trump gets into office, 
his days are going to become very difficult there at BlackRock, no matter how much money he's got, because at the end of the day, power beats money each and every time. So that's what I'm talking about. The forces that just want this man gone is I've never seen anything like it in my life before. I've never seen anything even closely second place to it. And that's why I say, how are we going to win? I, I want somebody to explain to me how are we going to win? Because we haven't been able to do it the last three times with him. How are we going to be able to win? When somebody gives that to me, I want that blueprint so I could scream it on a Facebook Live. But as of right now, all I see is I see the same thing happening that has happened the last three times. Stay tuned. I hope I'm, pray I'm wrong because I was wrong about DeSantis. I thought he was going to freaking run away with this thing. So I was completely wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong two times in a row. Either way, um, Ryan, I did not take a sip of your shake. Uh, what is it? Because I'm going to take a sip now. Uh, so uh, it's a um, banana, spinach, almond milk, and uh, peanut butter. Spinach is a little bit of a kick in the morning, huh? We'll try so it here. Like a green smoothie. No, there we go. Green smoothie. I'll give it a try as always. All right, listen, just running it down real quick. Uh, Denny and I will be back with you tomorrow. God willing, we will be on uh, video again. We'll have it all set up again now that I'm back. And that's that. Uh, please download the DML News app if you haven't already. And uh, that's that. Until the next time. Oh, and by the way, I will be back with uh, Best Pals uh, tomorrow morning. I haven't had one yesterday or today. Simply, oh, I, yesterday. I had one on Monday. I didn't have one yesterday uh, simply because I was out uh, traveling. Until the next time, may God bless you, our troops, your family, these United States, and Donald J. Trump, Ron DeSantis, and everybody who supports them. Have a great day, everybody. Get the Dennis Michael Lynch podcast every day by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And download the DML News app from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store for breaking news, merchandise, films, exclusive content, and team DML.